Romans chapter number four. We're going to look at verses nine through 15. Romans chapter number four, verses nine through 15. And just to get you kind of uh, caught up to speed, um, we um, are going, have been going through the book of Romans. Romans was written by Paul uh, to the Roman church, a church that was a, a mix of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And the Jewish believers were having a hard time um, accepting the fact that the Gentile believers were justified only by their faith. Uh, they thought that they had to then add uh, the outward act of circumcision, which is what we're going to be talking a lot about uh, today, this morning. And, um, but, but we have to understand that Paul is trying to get them to understand that in verse number four, chapter number four, he uses the illustration of Abraham, right? Abraham was a Jewish legend, right? Um, everyone knew who Abraham was. And so he's going to use Abraham as an example, as an illustration of what real justification looks like. And let me say this, a true view of the doctrine of justification is the dividing line between the biblical gospel of salvation by faith alone and all the false gospels of salvation based on good works. And so it's very important for us to know the doctrine of justification. And that's what we're going to talk about a lot today um, here in this chapter as Paul begins or as Paul continues to illustrate Abraham's justification. So let's look at verse number nine this morning. The Bible says, cometh this blessedness. The blessedness that he's talking about is from verses six, through se- uh, verses six and seven, the blessedness of justification. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also, all right? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also." And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father, Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise, verse number 13, that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. And verse number 16 says, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. And so Paul is going to share with us today that justification is not by, it is by faith, it is not by rights. It is by faith, it is not by works. It is not by the law. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to come into your house. And as Pastor Josh mentioned, just the, uh, Lord, just the privilege to be born here in America uh, where the gospel is uh, freely given and uh, where we have, uh, Lord, uh, the gospel has been preached to us. And uh, Father, we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us today as we get into your word. 
uh, that you would help us to understand it. Uh, Father, that you would give me clarity of thought this morning, that you would fill me with your spirit and allow me to say only what you would have me to say. And God, we'll give you all the praise and glory for what you'll do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I will kind of warn you this morning that, uh, that the warning is, is that there's a lot of explanation this morning through the message. Not a whole lot of application necessarily. Uh, there is a whole lot of explanation. But I think it's important for us to have messages like this, even on a Sunday morning where we really get into the doctrine of justification. What is it? What does it mean? And so we're going to look at that this morning. The number, number one, we see as Paul continues to illustrate Abraham's justification, he tells us that it is by faith and not rights. It is by faith and not rights. In verse number nine, Paul returns after he gave the illustration of David, he returns to the illustration of Abraham. And no doubt Paul anticipates that some of his Jewish readers will point back to circumcision. They'll point back to keeping the law as arguments against his position that justification is by faith alone. And so he anticipates that there's going to be these questions. And so Paul must explain why circumcision and why the law were given. Why were those given to the Jewish people? What's the reason behind it? And he has to then prove that those external practices were not the means of justification, right? And so that's what Paul is going to describe here. That's what he's going to talk about. In verse number nine, he says this. Let's look at it again. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. Again, the blessedness that Paul is referring to is what he spoke about in verses six through eight. That is the blessedness of justification. And so Paul asked, can this blessed condition of justification only be for those who are circumcised or can this blessed justification, justified state be experienced by those who are uncircumcised also? What is he talking about? Is this only for the Jews or is it for the Gentiles? Right? That's, that's the gist of what he is speaking of. Because many of the Jews believe that circumcision was necessary to salvation. That's what they believe. And so Paul was well aware that God did tell Abraham to partake in this outward act, right? He told Abraham to do it. He told Abraham that all the male children at, at eight days old were commanded to do that as well. But it was to be a token in Genesis 17 a sign of the covenant of God that God made with his people. And Paul is trying to get them to understand that they have taken God's token and they have now made it a means for justification. And so he comes to the end of verse number nine where he says, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. He restates verse number three, that because of his, because Abraham believed it was counted unto him for righteousness, right? So he's repeating what he said in verse number three, that Abraham was reckoned righteous. He was justified by God when he put his faith in God's promise. He goes on in verse number 10. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? So now Paul says, let's consider when he was declared righteous. When was he justified? 
And that, that timeline is going to determine the answer to Paul's question. So he says, he gives us the answer in, in the rest of verse number 10. He says, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So Abraham's justification came long before his circumcision. Long before it. These facts are easily proved. Abraham's circumcision came at the age of 99 years old and recorded, that was recorded in Genesis 17. His justification in response to faith, to his faith, was clearly declared in Genesis 15 and verse number six. And so that is at least 14 years before he was circumcised. And so two facts are very clear by this answer that Paul gives us. First, a non-Jew can receive the blessedness of justification. Can I get an amen, Gentiles? <laughs> right? A non-Jew can be justified by faith. I'm thankful for that today. I'm thankful that it's not just for the, the Jewish people. It is for the Gentile as well. But secondly, circumcision is not the means of justification. He clearly tells us here. Or else Abraham could not have been declared righteous until he was circumcised. And so Paul means for us to understand that what was true of Abraham is true of anyone else. Right? Circumcision did not make a man right with God. It was his faith. It was his faith. And so today, yes, praise God, a Gentile, a non-Jew can experience justification too by faith. But he goes on to say in verse number 11, and he received the sign. So, so now he, he tells them, okay, this is when he was justified, 14 years before he was given the command to be circumcised, right? Way before. So now he needs to, to answer the question, well, what was this command of God for? Why did God command his people to be circumcised? What's, what's the answer? And so verse number 11, he, he talks about that. And he received, verse number 11, the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Verse number 12, and the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. So we can see that Paul, once again, anticipates the opposition from the Jews who would read verse number 10, that his justification came before his circumcision. And so, so he goes here to verse number 11. He says that circumcision was a seal of Abraham's justification. It was a sign. It was a seal. And Paul uses two words here, right? The sign or seal. Paul was saying Abraham received circumcision as a sign or a seal of the righteousness which he had already possessed by faith, right? By faith while he was uncircumcised. And so Paul's point is very clear. It's very important, even for us today, that Abraham was already righteous, justified by faith, when he was circumcised. Therefore, circumcision was not the means of his justification. It was a sign. It was a token. It was a seal, right? Circumcision was an identifying mark 
that signified their covenant relationship with God. It was the physical sign of the spiritual reality. What can we kind of relate that to today? Baptism. A lot of times people relate baptism is often compared to circumcision. And in some ways, I believe they are alike. In other ways, they differ from from one another. But as an external religious ordinance, they are very similar. Baptism, like circumcision, is a token. It is a sign of a righteousness possessed by faith. Understand today that baptism itself does not bring justification. Amen? Baptism in itself does not bring justification. It is not essential for salvation. It is not a means of justification. There's, I've, I've talked to many people just witnessing and asking them, have you, have you ever believed? Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? And I'll get the answer sometimes. I've been baptized. Well, just like the Jews in that day who believed that this outward act is what saved, a lot of times the people believe, even in our circles here in, in, uh, in Florida here, in Panama City, Florida, believe that baptism saves or that it is essential for salvation. And I believe that there have been many Jews that were circumcised and many church members that were baptized who never put their faith in God and were never cleansed from sin spiritually. I believe that's the case. And that will be the case when we get to heaven one day. Because baptism, any outward act, any outward ordinance does not save. Not a means of salvation. And Paul's making that very clear to the Jewish people. That circumcision is not a means of salvation. But he continues in verse verse number 11 and 12. He says that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Abraham was called the father of all who believe, right? Circumcised or not. Here, Paul specifically discusses Abraham's spiritual lineage in two groups. First, Paul says that Abraham, justified by faith, became father of, of uncircumcised or Gentile believers, right? He's the father of the Gentile believers. Paul makes it clear again that the blessedness of justification can be experienced by believers apart from circumcision. Again, amen. Praise the Lord. We as a Gentile believer are heirs of the promise to Abraham. And so Paul is actually saying in the last clause of verse number 11, that if this weren't the case, then only the circumcised could have righteousness imputed to them. But secondly, Paul's saying that Abraham is spiritually the father of believing Jews too. Note that while Abraham is physically the father of all Jews, only those who put faith in God can rightly be said to be of his spiritual lineage. And so the Jews, just like the Gentiles, must place their faith in Christ in order to be justified. And that's what he's, he's making here very clear, that Abraham is the father of all of those who walk in the steps of that faith. And so that means to follow Abraham's example of faith. He believed in the promise of God. And that's what we must do. Believe in the promise of God that if we put our complete faith and trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ, we will have eternal life. And that's what he's trying to to make very clear. Understand today that to be justified is not by outward works. It is not by outward 
obedience. It is only by faith. But also, he says, number two, that it's by faith and not the law. It's by faith and not the law. Paul wants us to understand that justification cannot come by the observance of any part or the whole law, right? Because if we have, there's no one that is perfect, right? And the Bible says that if we have offended in one point of the law, we have offended the whole law, right? We have went against the whole law. And so he's trying to make that very clear. In verse number 13, he says, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And in this verse, Paul continues using Abraham, right? As an example, as an illustration, and plainly states that justification does not come by law keeping. It doesn't matter how many good works you do, it cannot declare you righteous before God. Amen? It will not declare you righteous before God. It will not, you will not be justified by your works. And the promise, we find here several important words that he uses. The promise, the seed, and then how the promise was possessed. So what's the promise? The promise to Abraham is summed up by Paul as a promise, he says here in verse number 13, that he should be the heir of the world. What does that mean? In Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number three, one of the promises of the original covenant with Abraham is in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, right? In Genesis 17 and verse number four, the promise is thou shalt be a father of many nations. And so the point is behind this promise is that Abraham was promised a great spiritual lineage from all nations of the earth. What he's talking about is this promise is for all who believe, Jew or Gentile alike. That is who the promise is for. But also we see the seed. The seed of Abraham will inherit the promise with him. Paul does not necessarily identify this seed here in verse number 13, but in Galatians chapter number three, In verses 16 and 29, he identifies in a very similar context this seed as first Christ himself and then all of those who are in Christ. So that's the seed that he's he's speaking of. Therefore, the seed of Abraham is the whole family of God. They inherit the promise given to Abraham when they are brought into that family by faith, not by law keeping, but by faith. And so he says, he goes on to say in verse 13, the promise was not possessed by the law. This is the the point that Paul is emphasizing that Abraham was given this promise long before the law was given. Long before the law was given. His justification came before circumcision, verse number 10, proving that circumcision was not the means of justification. But it also came uh, uh, before before the law was given proving that the law was not the means whereby he would have a spiritual lineage. In Galatians 3.17, he says this, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, the law was given over 400 years after Abraham was declared righteous. 
And so the law, keeping the law, will not save. How was Abraham justified? How was he declared righteous before God? By believing in the promise of God. Amen? By believing in the promise of God. Which he goes on to say that the righteousness of faith is how we possess this promise. Paul has proved that Abraham was justified by faith. That's what he's trying to do. These Jews have a problem. They have an issue with the Gentiles being justified only by their faith and not by their works, not by their, um, their rights. And so he makes it very clear that faith, again, is the method for justification, to be declared righteous before God. Then he goes on in verses 14 and 15. He proceeds to give the reason why the law cannot save. Look at verse number 14. For if they, which are of the law, be heirs, right? So if, if we keep the law, if we're the ones that, are, that, that receive the promise, then faith is made void. Faith is made void. What's he saying? Inheritance by law keeping would void faith. There would be no reason for faith if it was by law keeping. And so Paul's point is that we must adopt either faith or law keeping as the means of justification. And we all have to come to that conclusion in our life. Are we going to continue to trust in our works, in our own righteousness, in our rights for justification? Or will we believe that it is by faith and by faith alone? And we all have to make that choice. I can't make that choice for you. You can't make that choice for me. We have to decide, am I going to place my faith in what Jesus has done for me or will my faith be in what I can do? He goes on to say in verse number 14, he says, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. He's saying that inheritance by law keeping would contradict promise. The word made void means to make empty in, re in reference to faith. The word made of none effect, the phrase made no of none effect, applied to the promise means to render idle or to annul. And so both of those mean about the same thing. And the two expressions have the same point, and that is earning standing with God by law keeping is the opposite of being awarded that standing by God's gracious promise. It doesn't work together. Right? They don't go together. It is either by grace through faith or it is by works of our own righteousness. And Paul makes it very clear that it is by faith. He goes on to say in verse number 15, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Inheritance by law would violate the law's purpose is what Paul says. What's the law's purpose? The law's purpose is found in Romans 3, verse number 20. By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's the purpose of the law, so that we will become aware of our sin, so that we know our transgressions. The purpose of the law is to bring awareness of sin, not deliverance from sin. The law brings awareness of sin, not deliverance from sin. Amen? 
You with me? I know it's a lot. It's a lot of explanation. It's a lot of doctrine here. The same truth that, that is taught in Romans 7, 7, where, where Paul says, I had not known sin, but by the law. You see, without the written law, there was a purpose for it. Because without the written law, there would still, yes, be guilt of sin because we have a law, an inner law of conscience, right? Consciousness. And so that is, we, we, we know that we sin. But the written law was given so that man might have a very clear understanding of the sinfulness that we have. And as Paul puts it in chapter three, verse number 19, he says, the law was given that all the world may become guilty before God. And so the truth is, is that the law was to condemn, not to justify. The law was to condemn, not to justify. And any doctrine of justification by law keeping contradicts this truth. It messes up our understanding of sinfulness, right? It misleads us into thinking that we can keep the law good enough to be justified by it. That's not the case. This is what Paul means when he says, the law worketh wrath. The law reveals to man his own sinfulness and he makes man aware that he is rightfully condemned, right? Under the wrath of God. That's what the law shows us because none of us can meet the requirements of the law. None of us can, can fulfill the law. Only Jesus could fulfill the law, right? None of us can fulfill the law. And because of that, we see that we are rightfully condemned before a holy God. You see, the law produces consciousness of sin, guilt, wrath, and death. That's its purpose. But it cannot serve as the means of deliverance from those things. And so, if it's not by the law, if justification is not by the law, if it's not by observing the law, if it's not by our own rights, how do we obtain justification? How are we saved from our sin? Verse number 16 says it. Therefore, it is of faith. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. Amen? Paul says it's not all of these things. It's not by keeping the law. It's not by keeping these rights of the Jews. No, it is by faith. It is by the grace of God. He says to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. You see the promise, it comes and it only comes by faith so that it might be by the grace of God. You see, because saving faith is trusting in the promises of God, salvation comes to us guaranteed. He says here that it is sure since it relies on God's promise and not on our obedience. I'm thankful for that this morning. And it is equally available to the Jew, right? Those who are of the law. And it is also available to the non-Jew, those who are only of the faith of Abraham. And so I encourage you this morning to stop trusting in your works. Stop trusting in your own righteousness or your religion for justification. 
Stop trusting in those things to put you in right standing with God and believe. What do you believe? Believe the gospel. Believe the gospel that Jesus came to this earth and on the cross, he took your place and he took my place and he placed his sin, our, our sin, upon himself. And God poured his wrath on him so that we didn't have to face his wrath. Listen, and then Jesus raised from the dead. He defeated death for us who believe. And when we put our faith in Jesus and in his completed work, God promises that we, God promises us that we are now justified by grace. You see, we are then declared righteous before God. He no longer counts our sin against us. He now sees us as righteous. How wonderful the grace of God. And I know it's a lot to, to look at. We're talking about uh, circumcision and uncircumcision and it's awkward and things like that. And th it's not fun to talk about those things or by keeping the law. But Paul says, listen, it's not, those are not means of salvation. It is only through faith by grace. Amen. And so make sure that you're stop. If you're trying, if you're here today and you're continuing to trust in your own good works, and in your rights or in your religion, stop trusting in those things because those things will not justify you. There is no justification found in those things. You must believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Place your faith in him and he promises us that he will declare us righteous.